Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am back. I know the podcast has been a little more sporadic than usual. I apologize for that. I've been dealing with a ton of, oh, let's just say challenges with my day job. My super huge passion, which is skirt sports, the best, most comfy, most awesome women's fitness wear on the planet. And uh, when you've been in business for 15 years, you're bound to have some ups and downs. So, you know, like we all have many different things that we work on and things that are important to us at any given time. And, you know, career, meaningful work, um, you know, whether it is being a stay-at-home parent or running a company or being the boss of your own world or whatever, um, you know, careers come and go and mine's just at the forefront right now. So I'm working really hard on that. And so the podcast, which is my passion is still coming. It's just coming a little, a little more sporadically, like I said, but I'll tell you something. And for those of you listening for the first time, um, I stopped writing my intros and outros, and so they're a little more off the cuff, so I hope you you enjoy this one. might be a little rambly, but I was thinking about, you know, I've lined up some really awesome guests, and I'm getting going again here, and, and I've got some great interviews on the docket, and today is definitely one of them. Um, And I've been thinking about how I interview these incredible people who, you know, some have gone through hardship and they're out the other side. Some have just done really cool things. Some are just like badass athletes and world champions and, um, and all, every single one of my 151 episodes to date have an incredible story. And it hit me that... They're all in different at different parts of their journey. So, like for instance, um, you know, I interviewed Lara, the founder of Lara Bar, and I just absolutely adore her. And she's on a different side of her personal journey, having accomplished like the creation of this incredible company that makes so many people feel great, myself included. Um, and she's out the other side and figuring out what makes her tick and redefining and reinventing herself, you know, and then you get someone like we have today, Nell Rojas, who she's like in the middle, but at the beginning of this incredible journey. And what I love about her, I'll give you a little, a little background on Nell. Well, first of all, I've known her dad for a really long time. I mean, we're not close friends, but I think there's mutual respect. And he was a world-class runner in the 70s. He was just a complete badass. Like in high school, he won the indoor mile. I mean, in 1970. 
He's just like a rock star. And then he went on to be a coach and that's what he does for a living. He helps other people, you know, uh, uh, reach their goals and do things that they aren't sure they'll ever be able to. And he's got a few kids and one of which is his daughter, Nell. She's the youngest of his children. And she has proven like him to be an incredible athlete. And running wasn't where her passion began, but it's where it is now. At uh, 32 years old, she is in the top 15 of U.S. marathoners and training as we speak for the Olympic marathon trials. And it's so cool. And what's so cool about it is that she's at the very beginning of her marathon career. So at 32, she is just starting a new chapter and she's like, she's in it. She's in the beginning and she, she doesn't know a lot yet. You know, I mean, she's got a lot of experience as an athlete, but this is new. When you change sports, it's a whole new world out there. It brings out insecurities, but it's also excitement. And it's so fun to tap into that front edge of your potential. And that's, that's what I felt when she was sitting here across from me. I felt like she was just at the beginning of tapping into her greatness. And as I listened to her speak and share her experiences and the wisdom she's, she's gained along the way, I just, I couldn't help but think she's got what it takes. You know, she just, there's something about this woman where she's, she's got this incredible perspective. I mean, maybe it's because running isn't her whole life that she just may go on and do things that no one would expect. So, you know, I ran into her dad at Amante Coffee Shop in Boulder, gosh, just a few weeks ago, and we were chatting for a minute, and um, we were talking about my podcast, and He's like, well, you know, my daughter's sort of an unconventional marathon runner, and she's just like proving that, you know, people can do what others may not expect from them. And I thought, I got to get her on the show. So I hope you're excited to hear from this woman today who just may be able to open your eyes about a couple of different things or help you think about running or sports or your goals in a slightly different way. And uh, definitely make sure you're focusing on that strength training because that title is no joke. Her strength is her strength. Um, on the other side, before we bring her on, I just want to make sure that I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I've been working really hard on skirt sports. We we need you right now. We need your support. And, um, you know, what happened with us this year is I'll go into it at some point here. I think I'll do a whole episode on it. I'm not quite ready, but, um, we just ended up having a situation this year that was somewhat out of our control that caused us to get way too much inventory in the second half. And, um, there's really no other way around it except for us to sell it for pretty darn cheap. And so at the end of the day, you know, I say like, I need your help, but really um, you're getting some awesome deals if you head over to skirtsports.com. This episode is gonna come out right before our last huge blowout of the year, uh, which will be Thursday through Saturday. 
go over to Skirt Sports and check out the Holla Deals outlet on our website. It should just be like the first tab or you'll find it really easy. And uh, you're going to get deals from 10 to 30 bucks. All right. So do that. Check it out. Do it for me. <laughs> do it for you. You know, it's funny. I always think about it. I'm like, well, you could buy four or $5 coffee drinks and that's four days of your life, which you will enjoy some immediate gratification. It might help you get through the day. Or you could buy a $75 skirt for $20 and it'll last you about eight to 10 years. So, you know, maybe there's a little more happiness on that side of the equation. If you've ever been thinking you wanted to try skirt sports, this is your time. Sizes are definitely running out, so don't be mad at me. In fact, be happy for me if sizes run out. Um, I like to think of this as just one big, huge project that we're all working on together. So as much as you may feel like you're part of my life, I also feel like I'm a part of yours. So keep on reaching out. Keep the keep commenting and sharing the podcast and and let me know what you're looking for. I got some great recommendations from people after our last episode where I asked for guests and I've reached out to quite a few of them. So, all right, everybody, the ramble is done. It's time to get into the meat of today. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nell Rojas. You have time to do <laughs> But <laughs> no, I'm a big puzzler. I love yeah. puzzles. Yeah. It's like one of my little pastimes. And I don't know what, why that mm-hmm. pastime calls to me. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, and you'll probably understand this because you have a lot of things going on in your life. And like, you know, you've gone through all these different transitions and stuff. But mm-hmm. when I am puzzling is <laughs> one of the only times that I actually am not thinking of anything else. Mm-hmm. Do you have those moments? Um, during puzzles or during <laughs> any time in your life, like That's when? That's a good question. When, when am I just? Are you like in the like zone? In the just zone. sort of like not thinking. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good because it's definitely not when I'm running. That's when I think a lot. Um, it's definitely not when I'm swimming or biking. Um, it, it sometimes I could say like definitely out of all of the exercises I do strength is the one where I'm like most like focused on what I'm doing and I'm like in the zone um so that's a good question though because I need to figure that out and do more of it (laughs) well it's funny because um I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. that my brain never shut off Mm -hmm. until as an adult I started pulling out puzzles on the holidays Mm -hmm. and you said you do one a year one a year all right maybe this is going to be the thing more puzzles see if you can get into the puzzles (laughs) as you if you haven't noticed I actually just started rolling us um, I, on. <laughs> I, I noticed you were speaking in the microphone, so I started speaking in the microphone, but I didn't know if we were just practicing or what. So <laughs> actually, this is like we kind of rolled into a really cool topic that I mm-hmm. do want to I want to dig Great into. Topic. Yeah. So, well, there's two, actually. There's one about head games and there's one about strength. Mm-hmm. You did just bring up like, hey, when I'm doing my strength work, that's when I'm most focused. And I will say that since I was a pro athlete all these many years ago compared Mm -hmm. to now, strength work has really become more of a priority for people. Like Mm -hmm. when I was racing, it was like, just go out and swim, bike and run a lot. Like don't worry too much about getting in the weight room, maybe a little bit here and there. And, And we started to do more of it. But these days it is like, it's up there. However, the way you do strength work 
seems to be more focused, more intense, like your body has even sort of transformed differently than maybe a lot of other elite marathon runners. So I don't know. I want to talk a little bit about it. Like, tell me about your thoughts on that. How did you start getting into strength work and what do you do? Why, why do you do it? And do you think that it makes you better? Um, yeah. So I started getting into it a long time ago. Um, my dad slash coach used to make me do strength in middle school in our garage and we'd just do like classic things. Like I just remember doing like a lot of lat rows for some reason, but that's just my Wait, memory. He, he made you do it. <laughs> I mean, I was into it. I was like really into training and not for running. I wasn't a runner. I was a basketball player. So I would like, we'd shoot hoops and then we'd lift in our like really old, equipment in the garage um and so wait this is like when you were in high school at boulder high this was this is actually middle school um before like real coaches kind of took over my training and my dad kind of was you know could get into it with me and do things um but wait your dad is a real coach he's a real coach yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but you're talking like basketball coaches um any coaches like it becomes more serious in high school you know and other coaches don't want anyone to interfere and um you know my dad did a really good job of just letting me go and do whatever my coaches said um but in middle school it was you know it's not serious so you just kind of get in there and you know do whatever (laughs) oh yeah for sure okay Mm -hmm. so you like middle school is pretty young Mm -hmm. to be out there slinging weights yeah and it wasn't like anything like very serious or heavy um i think it was a really good introduction and i think research you know people used to say like oh if you lift weights um at a young age then it's going to stunt your growth i think research says now that that is actually not true and it's fine to start um lifting a little bit younger as long as you're doing it correctly and you know you're not like killing yourself it's it's actually a a positive thing oh well this is actually really cool and this is another side topic i didn't even expect to discuss but Mm -hmm. a lot of people listening are maybe on the other side where they have kids who are in middle school Mm -hmm. and of course you're coach so you're you know we'll get into that too at some point here but like you're working with younger people too Mm -hmm. so what do you mean by do it safely and properly I mean, just making sure that they're not, you know, their knees aren't collapsing in or they're not progressing too fast. They're not squatting, deadlifting with the wrong form. Um, and they're, they're coordinated enough to do what is programmed for them to do. Got it. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so with some supervision... And, uh, you know, just making sure that somebody's got your back, at least at the beginning on form and stuff. It's cool for kids to start. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's great for kids to start. I think it gives them the coordination. And I think it because they're so like gangly. And if, if you watch a lot of kids run, you're like, ooh, that's not, you know, that's probably not great. Um, so I think it is a good a good thing for them to start early. Okay, so so you started pumping it up in middle school <laughs> yeah. here yep. when you you had your eye on uh, ball sports. Yeah, yeah, I was a baller, and so like no idea, like running wasn't even on your radar, even though your dad mm-hmm. was a very renowned runner mm-hmm. and um, has made his entire life, you know, basically around the sport of running. Right. Actually, this is a. so you know as parents Mm -hmm. we um we there's this there's two ways to look at things you can either 
hope your kid like does the sports that you did or Mm -hmm. still do partly because maybe then you can do them together it might be a fun family thing Mm -hmm. or you could be extra paranoid that you don't want to put the pressure on your kid to do the sports that you did because you were really successful so I wonder like how did your dad's running success maybe we should talk about your dad for a bit like Mm -hmm. share maybe you can share a little bit about what he did as a runner because that's actually how we met yeah, because I've known yeah. Rick for well, quite some time, and mm-hmm. I ran into him at a coffee shop the other said, day, yeah. and and I was like, you know, your daughter, she's rocking marathon. I need to have her on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he was very excited about that. Oh, too. he's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, and he's such a supporter, mm-hmm. you know, of people and women, and it's just so cool to see. So, you know, like, tell me a little bit more about like growing up uh, with a very accomplished runner parent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my dad. All I knew growing up, I knew my dad was a great runner. I knew he ran for Nike. He was one of the first athletes signed by Nike. Um, he was a top, you know, named the top road runner of the year, I think maybe like five years in a row. Um, and but but really the most important thing to me was that he won the first Boulder Boulder. As you know, people from Boulder, that's like our Olympics here. It's a huge race. It's very important to us. Um, so that was like kind of our claim to fame growing up in Boulder. Um, and so running was always like very important to me and my family. Not so, not so much like, oh, we're going to like get into this, but like, you know, it, it was, it was a part of our life. Um, I always had runners coming in and out cause that's where my dad coached out of is our house. And, um, I was always around it. I grew up like on the, you know, like on the jump, ma- jump mats at Balch Field House, um, just watching practice. I was not very I I liked running um I was pretty good at it as a young at a young age um but I was never very serious about it until high school I got more serious about it and more passionate about it and decided that I wanted to run in college um and my dad was always very um you know uh I'm going to have that bad word day too. (laughs) I know we were talking about how, you know, some days the words just don't come easily. Mm -hmm. And we, we know this, um, as endurance athletes, it's like after a big race, somebody shoves a microphone in your face and all you can say is it was hard. I need food. Like there's no, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Happy. You're sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it was, sounds like he was really supportive, very supportive. Yeah. And your mom too. Very, yes, my mom is, you know, she's like a, she's always been a runner, but not very serious. Um, I think she ran like a 330 marathon, which is great, um, but nothing like my dad. But she's always been very supportive of me. Mm-hmm. And so it's fair to say, like, maybe running wasn't going to be your thing, but your parents felt that having physical fitness in your life was important. Um, I think I was just naturally inclined towards it. Like I loved soccer. I loved basketball. I loved running. I was always like pretty good for my age and who I was around. So I just, this is so cool because it sounds like your parental influence was supportive, but not pushy. I love the idea that you grew up on the jump mats. Yeah, not love running the jump mats. around. <laughs> yeah, love the jump mats. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so great. Okay, so you say you know in high school you got you're you're doing basketball. Now you're evolving. You're like, huh, this running thing. I'm naturally good at it. You know, we tend to gravitate to the things we're naturally good at. Were you mm-hmm. not as good at basketball? Um, I was 
when I first, I've been this Tom 5'5", five, five, almost 5'6", five, since I was in kindergarten. Oh! <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I, I'm matured very early. So I thought I was going to be in the WNBA. And then as I got older, and I was like a post, I was like the big post. I was like, yeah, loved it. And then just as I got older and older, I got worse and worse. Oh, and God. Then <laughs> I got scared. It was what happened as I went. Oh. I went on a traveling tournament. I think we were in North Carolina one summer in high school. And there was these huge, like, girls that were just so intimidating and would just, like, dominate us. And after that summer, like, I could barely play basketball because I was so like I would get the ball and either just like shoot it as quickly as I could or like pass it to no one as quickly as I could because I was so scared. And so I got worse. And at that point, running started taking over anyways. So it worked out. (laughs) This is such an interesting concept because early on in your life, you had to grapple with being the best, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming, or Mm -hmm. close to the best. And Having this evolution or transition, it, it sounds like it was maybe physical, but also a lot in your head. Yeah, yeah. And I see so many high school girls go through that. Because um, I think it is it is a lot physical, but then it turns into mental. And then you get both going on. And then you're dealing with all of these different oh, aspects. Of and the hormones. And the hormones. And your and body's changing. Body, yep. Your coordination's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And that's just something, you know, you tell kids and I mean, I got, I just got through it. I think you just have to get through it and you learn from it and you get past it. And if you're persistent enough, then it'll pay off, but it's hard. It's a hard time. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, for sure. And you know, I've, I've read a lot of things and I'm very, um, you know, I'm very aware of this issue because I have a first grade daughter right? Mm-hmm. and I want her to be a strong and confident person. And I know that no matter what foundation I lay, she's still going to go through the stuff. Right. Exactly. And, um, one thing that I've really, uh, learned a lot about, and even through the sports camp that she she does in the summer, it's called Game on Sports for Girls. I've had their founder on the show, actually. She's oh, nice. super awesome. Um, and they're all about self-confidence, but that keeping girls in sports is the number one way to keep them out of some of the bad things. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think about that? And as being a coach now, too, I'm just curious. Yeah, I absolutely could see the correlation between those two things. Um, but I think it's hard because some girls gravitate towards sports and some don't. Um, True. So, and I think people respond differently to, you know, I don't ever make my runners run if they don't want to. I'm like, no, this is, I may, it's in their hands. Like I am not the one to tell them to come to practice or to run. They have to have it in their hands and I'm the one to guide them if they want my help. Yeah. Oh, that's, and think about this. You have to take that philosophy and internalize it for your own training. Right. Mm -hmm. That's hard too. You got to like drink your own, uh, (laughs) totally which helps with like everything I do, you know, when I coach my kids, when I coach my adults, I'm like, okay, I have to be true to this and I have to apply it to my, myself, which is, which is hard, but it does keep me in line. So, you know, going back to those formative years, um, and I talked about, I mentioned like, you know, sports might help keep girls away from the negative influences. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, did you go down the negative influence path at all or did you stay kind of on the straight and narrow? Mm-hmm. I would say I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I was always not, um, I guess you'd say like your typical runner who is super into running, you know, a little bit on like the nerdy side, um, you know, in, in, I was always a, a very good kid. Like I didn't get into that much trouble, but in college, like I wanted to have a social life and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to party sometimes. Um, so I never got into that much trouble. And I think I never had either had a problem staying motivated or wanting to do really well. So why? Like, is this just what's innate for you or did you learn this along the way from other people or mm-hmm. coaches? Like, what was it in you that kept you on this path of positivity? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely wasn't always positive, but I think it's a couple things. Like, you think being successful as a young um, as a young person and like feeling that success and feeling what it's like um, helps because you always want to go back to that and be as good as that. And another thing is, you know, surrounding yourself with people who really believe in you, like my parents. Um, and I think I'm lucky. Like after college, I was so burnt out on running. I was like, I never want to run a step again in my life. And my dad was like, you know, I came home and my dad was like, hey, like, I think you'd be really good at triathlons. Do you want to try it out? And I was like, yeah, actually, that sounds really fun. And so we started kind of dabbling. You know, my dad has been an endurance coach and an endurance athlete for his whole life, but we've never cycled or swum before. So I started those things, loved them, fell in love with the sport. And so it like rejuvenated me and I got remotivated. So I think that also helps. Oh, yeah, that is such a good topic. You know, we might want to pause for a minute and share (laughs) some of your accolades, actually, so people really can understand. So, you know, you talked about um, it just so they can understand, like, why you were even burned out, you know? Uh So, like, you went through high school, you got more serious about running, Mm -hmm. you... Uh, did you get a scholarship to college or did you walk on? I walked on to Northern Arizona. Awesome running school. Mm -hmm, Amazing. You know, at the time I was, I was like very overwhelmed and my dad kind of guided me and was like, I think this would be good for you. And it was perfect for me. I mean, they took me on. I, I had like, I've had like three really like big improvements in my life. And one was my freshman year of college um, where I, I got to travel with the team. You know, I was like one of the top five runners, which my coach didn't expect at all. So that was really fun. I got a lot of great opportunities. Um, you know, I went to nationals. And then a junior year, I also, I made another big jump where I went to um, nationals in the steeplechase, which was awesome. So, okay, pause. Steeplechase, mm-hmm. very different than like a f- running a mile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've had Emma Coburn on the show. Mm -hmm. So if people have listened to that, they may have a little inkling, but maybe share, like, why did you get drawn to this crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if, like, anyone knows me or they saw me, it's, like, kind of like I'm a very strong runner, and so it's natural for my coach, you know, to be like, hey, I think you should try this. You know, I think I'm tough, I'm sturdy, um, 
it's something different and a little bit more, I guess, dynamic than just a running race. So I tried it and um, I did well. And then um, I really liked it. And I think I think steeplers are like they like are think they're really cool because like steeples like different than running <laughs> you know they're like oh well I'm a steepler and it becomes this thing where you're like yeah well I have to go do like my hurdle drills like oh you're runners okay like you think you're special and I think that like played into like a lot of it in college why I thought it was so cool oh my gosh I love it sometimes just the cool factor can help change our- yeah totally totally I also my first steeple my mom just reminded me of this which I totally forgot I beat I think it was actually Emma's first steeplechase, and I beat her in it. Yes, <laughs> Emma Coburn, take that rematch. Like, Whatever. That was the, that was the only time we raced, and I won. So and you don't need to race her again. Yeah. You've proven I'm your point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. So, um, so you got like this cool. Uh, okay, you are like a chameleon. Like you mm-hmm. have had the beautiful gift of keeping the momentum going partly through changing a little bit through Mm -hmm. your sports and your focus right Mm -hmm. so you but at the same rate you still spent four really intense years in college so you mentioned burnout we've all experienced burnout whether it's in sports or a job or as a freaking parent sometimes you're like I can't spend another five minutes with my kid you know like there's things that happen in lives where you put too much in you're going to come out the other side needing some kind of refresh. So what did burnout look like for you? Was it, um, was it physical or were you depressed? Um, well for me, you know, I think college is hard for athletes and I coach some post-collegiates and the program isn't written for an individual. It's written for a team. And I think, the general consensus with college coaches and a lot of coaches is you run as many miles as possible. Um, and that's not for everyone. And I don't think it's for me. And at that time right now I can run, I can run a lot and I'm pretty sturdy and I think I could handle what I did in college. But at the time when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, it was like, it was, it was too much. And, um, you know, I, I think I did have good, college coaches but there's a lot of different dynamics on the team and every year someone new comes on and there's eating disorders that you deal with and there's personalities that you deal with there's toxicity um you're racing a lot it's a year-round sport with indoor track outdoor track and cross country so it's just it's just a lot with and then classes um so I think it was a mix of mix of all of that you know were you uh, um like a victim of the eating disorders or the toxicity or, you know, some of the negative influences you mentioned? Yeah. I mean, I, I developed an eating disorder very early in middle school throughout, um, like half of college, like my sophomore, junior year, I think I started to die down and get over it. Um, so I was, yeah, it did affect me. Wow. Okay. I've had quite a few people on the show who are or have been serious runners who have struggled with eating in Mm -hmm. whatever form Mm -hmm. and or, um, you know, had body image issues Mm -hmm. because of how you're supposed to look, Mm -hmm. how you're supposed 
supposed to be to perform well, right? Right. So it's interesting that you actually were able to get rid of, and it sounds like on your own, did you have um, help getting, you know, kind of, now I wouldn't say beating your disorder because many people would argue, you know, we're always going to be challenged by those things in our lives. At least they could rear their heads later. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you were able to sort of move on. Yeah, I think, you know, I did have a lot of help. My parents knew about it. Um, obviously, they wanted to help in whatever, however they could. So, <clears throat> you know, early on, I was on antidepressants for it. I was, I think, on anti-anxiety meds. Um, and then I went to a therapist. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> I've always wanted to help with kids with eating disorders or do something that um, along that path. And my belief right now is that it's really hard to get over an eating disorder until you make the decision you want to get over eating disorder. I went to therapy every week and lied and tried not to cry and didn't it didn't help because I wasn't ready for it um until I finally decided in college I was I was exhausted you know it takes over your every second of every day I just wanted to live my life and feel good and just not be so tired anymore um and so it really took me it took my yeah it was my own it was my own doing at that point and and I think like a lot of people say you can never get rid of it but like I'm 100% never think about it and am over it and so I I, yeah I truly believe you can get over it that is so awesome and hopeful Mm -hmm. I mean there are many people listening who you know aren't don't have maybe an eating disorder in the traditional sense, but think about food all right. the time. Yes. Yeah. Are constantly unhappy with mm-hmm. their bodies. Right. If I could only just fit into this one gene that I had in high school again, that I'm a half size too big for. Like, you know, so they're just playing in that constant field of discontent. And yeah. that's that's a tough place to be. So do you have any advice for people? So, you know, you're out it, you're out the other side, you know, maybe I'm making this assumption wrongly, but you're happy with who you are, how you look, how your body is, and it performs for you the way you want it to, right? Yeah. So what do you say mm-hmm. to people who are living in that place of like, either struggling with a full-blown eating disorder or just a place of like never quite happy yeah I mean I think I I'm I'm not you know I'm I'm a regular person who is never you know I'm not like oh I'm so happy with how I look or whatever you know I have my days as well obviously where I when I get honestly when I get nervous um for races and this is something that I'm trying to, I'm working on kicking right now because it's been a pattern in my mind for the past 15 years. But when I get nervous for races, what just continuously crosses my mind is I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. And so this is something that is, you know, I think my brain's just used to doing that. Um, But what helps me, um, especially if we're talking about when women are comparing themselves to are running wise, right? So they're scared about their running career because of their weight. Um, I go into races now thinking, yeah, I have 
a little bit of extra, you know, more weight than most runners, but I'm more powerful than most runners. And any extra, like, say I have a little bit of extra, like, fat on my upper body, I tell myself, like, it's not going to make a difference. <laughs> like, it's okay. Like, this little teeny thing is going to be fine. It's not going to slow me down. Um, so, I don't know. I It's evolving, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a constant evolution. I get it, though. You know, it's even like you mentioned like those doubts that creep in and then they manifest mm -hmm. in this one phrase mm -hmm. like i'm fat right. i look fat i feel fat i'm fat like i hate that word right like, it's I, a don't, terrible I don't word. want my daughter <laughs> to really even word. understand what that word means because yeah. i don't want any judgment around that word mm -hmm. because I, you know it's it it's very ingrained from when we're young mm -hmm. i think too. oh yeah Hundred percent, and I, and I've had I have some incredible friends, and have had some people on the podcast who live in the world of say plus size athletes, mm -hmm. and it's just it's not it needs whatever we say and how we talk about ourselves needs to be positive mm -hmm. and about healthy, totally, and about you know setting positive goals and going after them with mm -hmm. the bodies we have. Definitely. So it's just you're right, it's a hard thing, and so I applaud you for like really continuing to work on that mm -hmm. and work on the reframing. Right. Oh my gosh. It's all about positive self-talk, right? And It is. I saw one of your last Instagram posts and <laughs> yeah. it was really cool. What did you say? Uh, actually, people need to follow you. So what's your Instagram handle? Um, I think it's Nell Rojas Running. Yeah. <laughs> <Crazy>. yeah. <laughs> uh, so. But yeah, you showed like a little video of some kind of self-talk you did, oh, I think, yeah. before the Boulder Boulder mm -hmm. when you won the Citizens Race, right. which is really cool. I forget what you said. Do you remember? I just... I mean, it, it was kind of a joke, but not really. Um, I was just whispering to myself in the mirror that I was a beast. So I was saying, I'm a beast. I'm a beast. <laughs> that and, is so cool because mm -hmm. you know what? I would, I would wager that in the past, a woman considering herself a beast might not have been looked at as positive. Oh, for sure. But you yeah. have reframed that. So you're on, well on your way to reframing all the possible negatives. I'm trying to. Which is so cool. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's one piece of advice for everyone listening. When you hear that negative self-talk, you reframe it immediately. Video it as a selfie and post it. Do it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and tag seriously. Yeah. And tag me. I want to see. <laughs> um, oh, this is so cool. Okay, so let's get into your running career then. Okay. Well, actually, it was predated by a triathlon career. So yep, this is, you, you, <laughs> you mentioned that your dad really suggested triathlon. Now, you live in the tri, like, capital of the world. Right. Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is where a lot of the pros come and live and have made their homes even from other countries. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a sport people know here. Right. And it requires strength. Mm -hmm. And strength, being strong is your strength, Right. Yes. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's so. what I think we've been saying. Yeah. So it, that's cool. So your dad being this like uber running dude says, why don't you do triathlon? Screw running for a while or forever. Right. Yeah. So were you any good? Um, I was OK. <laughs> I was OK. So I was in the triathlon like era that there was still money in Olympic distance. Oh, cool, so I was training cool. for Olympic distance and I was I was actually a very good cyclist. I was a pretty decent runner and my swimming my open water swimming needed a lot of work. Um so you know, I got my pro card within a year 
and which I was, you know, very excited about. So like right out of college, you were like 23 years old, got your pro card. Um, it, yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I didn't start racing pro till I was 28. Well, and I think that's awesome. I think that's probably a <laughs> blessing because I think that's when people are ready to, well, <laughs> to be a professional. I mean, maybe triathlete. that's true. And, and, and I think that's going to prove to be true with your marathon career as I well. I agree. Yeah. So, so you, did you love swimming, biking, running? Like, were yeah. you picking any of them up really for the first time? All, both of them. Yeah. Oh, like full on swimming? Full on swimming. Yeah. <laughs> so I, was, I learned how to swim <laughs> and it was hard. <laughs> that is amazing. You yeah. are such a natural athlete because swimming is by far the most intimidating part of a triathlon for anybody who didn't grow up naturally inclined to the water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, um, it was, it was very hard, but it's one of the things that I took away from triathlons and I swim two or three times a week now. And I, every time I swim, I'm so grateful that I did triathlons just because now I have that skill that I think helps me so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, I think in the sport of triathlon, my philosophy is that the running injures us the cycling is status quo and the swimming is the thing that allows us to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good, uh, assessment there. Well, and, and I'm sitting here listening, going, it's no wonder that when you're, as your running has come back later in your, you know, later in your thirties here, mm-hmm. um, that, that you're stronger than ever. And that you have this renewed sense of excitement. So Mm -hmm. like at what point did you realize that triathlon might not be the end all be all for you? Yeah. So, so actually probably when I was 26, 27, I was just didn't have any money. I was, you know, living with my mom and trying to pay my coach $400 a month and, working at Boulder Running Company and doing like a million other side jobs, you know, like dog sitting, babysitting. And I was just burnt out. And I think um, it wasn't worth it anymore. I needed to be independent. So like you hadn't pursued an actual career. You got your degree in exercise science. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you were pursuing the athletic side of yourself yes Mm -hmm. yeah and I get that that makes sense yeah I had a college degree too and Mm -hmm. I didn't do much with it right (laughs) for a long time um what's your degree in uh um oh I remember (laughs) sociology oh sociology (laughs) I oh yeah (laughs) there's a lot of careers for that I bet you're using it now (laughs) I am using it right now yeah exactly um so so you were restless and you just didn't have like a super focus or super purpose. Is that what I did for a while? Okay. And then I, I was overtrained. I was not happy. The good, the bad was outweighing the good. What was, what was the bad? Um, the bad was not wanting to do workouts, not having any money. Um, just not being happy most of the days. And then, I mean, the lot, the, when I, quit triathlon like decided like this is it was I um finished a bottle of protein or a thing of protein powder and I was like I can't I don't have any money to buy another thing of protein protein powder like 
that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I can't do it. So awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we go through phases in our lives where things are going along. We're tempting goals and they either happen or they don't. But at some point we start to realize we're not so happy anymore. And that's what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. You said, you know, I just wasn't as happy most days. Yep. And maybe earlier for the few years prior to that, you would go out on your training and be like, this is exciting. Oh, I'm improving. Yeah. Like this world is wide open. Right. Like you so, wanted to be the first one on the road in the morning. You wanted to work the hardest. You wanted to be the last one, you know, so that ended. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just exhausted. <laughs> you know, I remember days being on my bike mm -hmm. where I would just look around riding up St. Vrain Canyon or something and mm -hmm. just be looking around it. Every time I did a ride, it looked different, different seasons, different time of day. Mm -hmm. I would see something different. And I would just be like, wow, it's so beautiful. And in my head, that's constantly what I said. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of like enjoying it. Right. right? Until I wasn't. Anymore. Right. <laughs> right. Or until something else was in my mind and my focus just wasn't there. So how did you move forward out of this place? Were you despondent at that time or were you kind of just like, all right, I got to make a change? It's hard. I mean, you know, when you're in, when you are surrounded by triathletes and you think it's the whole world and you think it's the most important thing, um, it's hard to quit because it's how you define yourself and it's how other people, you think other people define you. So you're like, it's the hardest thing ever and you break up with your coach and all these different things, right? Oh, breakups. <laughs> totally. Breakups, right? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like an addiction. You have to like form new connections mm -hmm. in order to move yourself forward. Right. Exactly. And you know, you have to be brave and just do it. And I wanted to start making a career for myself. And so what did that mean? Well, I think at the time I was like, I, then I went to EMT school to try to be a PA and I got a job at a um, urgent care, but I had also thought about going to get my counseling degree to start um, researching eating disorders and being a counseling counselor for eating disorders. And, you know, I had all these options and um, so I was going to do PA. Okay, mm -hmm. so this became an exploratory time. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, was exercise like in the background? Just worked out a little bit each day or without, yeah. without a real focus or goal? I think I was always training for something. I think I was always like training for a 5K or a 10K or, you know, and I always, I, I you know, I think after being a triathlete, triathlete, you're addicted to exercising. So I always did a lot of it, but... It was on the back burner for sure. It's funny. Like I, for many years in, I had this idea in my head that if I didn't work out twice a day, right. oh yeah, then <laughs> I was a slacker. Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> yes. And I mean, that's like a luxury for professional athletes or, you know, it, it's not know. something that most say normal people can put into their very busy overflow. Exactly. I know, I know. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a luxury to like have options. Like you threw a bunch of things on the wall. You're like, I'm going to be a PA. No, I might be a counselor. I'm not sure. I'm going to try this. I'm an athlete still. Like what stuck? Mm -hmm. Well, um, nothing, but well, exercising <laughs> training stuck. Um, so I, you know, I went the PA route. I took a lot of prereqs. I was taking classes and then you know, I started, I've always coached. I've coached, I started coaching 
for my dad um, right out of high school for his high school kids I would you know warm them up I would give them splits I would you know kind of start coaching he kind of uh, started teaching me his philosophies and how he does things and so little by little I was getting more athletes that wanted me to coach them and all of a sudden I had all these athletes and I decided to open a gym to do strength training out of um, and so that kind of took over and that's when I was like why am I trying so hard to be a normal person when like it's clear that I'm supposed to be a coach <laughs> And so I quit the urgent care and I just started coaching full time and building my gym. And yeah, that's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. I just love this too, because you're like, why am I trying to be a normal person? And there is no normal. Right. <laughs> like what you're doing is normal for you. Right. <laughs> um, would you say that coaching is your calling in life? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think it, it does. I love doing it. I think it comes pretty naturally for me. I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, the athletes I have, we're, mo most of us are like very close now and I feel very, very fortunate to be able to do this. And I mean, it's not easy in Boulder, obviously every other person's a coach, <laughs> you know, so. I mean, yes and no, like everybody has their core competency mm -hmm. and, you know, different sports, different philosophies. Right. So you mentioned like your dad really was a guiding influence and taught you his philosophy. Is that what you go by or have you evolved and sort of morphed into your own coaching philosophy yeah so my dad's philosophy is very different than most people's um he's very low mileage um he really believes in um speed work and a lot of the times it's hard i grew up with that and you know, every single one of my other coaches, I've had two college coaches, a couple post-collegiate coaches, you know, like um, triathlon coaches and then my high school coach. And none of them have the same philosophy, but especially as my dad, they're all, you know, most of them are high mileage, high volume. And so I've learned a lot from them as well. And so I do still, what, what actually has happened is as I go along life, I'm like, oh, that's why my dad says that. Or like, I, I like, cause he's told me these things and I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that more volume, you know? And so finally, like <laughs> I see injuries, I see all these things happen. And I'm like, oh, he's right. Oh, I get it. You know, but it's taken a long time. And so I think as I get older, my philosophy is more and more close to his. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's, but it's funny. Like he doesn't understand this either. He didn't, he doesn't understand because we've gotten in arguments. Like he doesn't understand that he can't just tell me things, you know, because he, he tries to teach me things and it doesn't really work like that. Like I have to learn on my own. And I think I have now, you know, so, um, so yeah, it's cool. <laughs> wow. Okay. So who coaches you? My dad. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you you busted out on the marathon scene a year ago? Yeah, actually a year ago last weekend. Holy yeah. cow. And you like crushed and just surpassed. You talk about surpassing expectations earlier, like in college, you know, and mm -hmm. 
did you surpass your expectations when you did your first marathon? Maybe share a little bit of that story. Yeah. So uh, the story goes that I was, you know, I coached some Ironman athletes and I wanted to mark myself more as an Ironman coach or triathlete coach. Um, and so I was like, yeah, yeah I should do a, I should do an Ironman. Um, so I wanted to do Boulder Ironman and I wanted to win it. <laughs> <laughs> and last year was the last year for the Boulder Ironman. So right. you were doing this marathon in, in prep. preparation. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was excited, but I was I was actually kind of just like pretty anxious because I had to work on getting a new bike <laughs> and getting back into it. And I was excited. I mean, I love doing triathlons and I had more money now. So like it was like less anxiety. So but I was still like, oh, gosh, OK, I have to have to talk to. Michael Stone, ask if he can give me a bite, you know, like totally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but then, and so people started asking me like, Oh, are you going to try to hit the qualifying standard? I didn't know that the, I, it wasn't even on my radar. I didn't know there was one. I didn't know that we were in the range of running a qualifying standard. I didn't know anything. And so finally I was like, well, I better like figure out like what it is so I can like answer people's questions. Um, and it was 2.45 and I was like, well, well, I certainly hope so. You know, like, yeah, I, I'll try to hit that. Sure. And so going into it, getting closer and closer, you know, I knew I could run. I knew I could run 2.37. That was, and that was the A standard at the time. How did you know that? You'd never run a marathon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, just like my workouts, my long runs, how the pace felt. I forget what pace it was now, but, you know, I was like, I'm pretty sure I could do that. I'd run some 20 miler runs like close to that pace and at altitude. And um, so, yeah. OK, there are very few women triathletes who can run under 245, not to say like 237. Mm -hmm. So that's could that, you know, that could have been a sign from the outside yeah. that maybe there was more opportunity in this other sport. Right. Did, but yeah. you didn't realize that going into this iron or into this marathon. I didn't even know that like 237 would be like an impressive time. I didn't know like what was impressive and what was not. So that is so cool because like it just shows that you have perspective in your life. Like, yes, you're a hardcore competitive person mm -hmm. and you probably knew what was impressive as a steeple, steepler. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, whatever you did in the past. But when you're starting new things, there's this like beautiful mm -hmm. naivete, yeah, you know, totally. that, that is super fun yeah. to embrace. You have no pressure. So what race was it? It was Calor International Marathon. Okay. Yeah. And was that at sea level? It was at sea level. Sacramento? Sacramento. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So what happened in the race? So my dad was like, um, okay, go out in 615 pace. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> so I went out in like, I don't know, maybe like 610 pace or I would have to go back and look. But I went out pretty easy. Um, and I just started getting faster and faster and it felt good um everyone everyone from boulder was at cim because everyone runs it so like the night before i was asking everyone like oh have you done this before like what's your advice or 
you know, and everyone was like, oh, I died. I blacked out at mile 20 or I bonked at mile 20. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hit mile 20. And literally I was like, I'm going to die. You're going to black out, bonk or die. (laughs) I was like, I was just waiting for it. Um, But I felt good in my last, I think I had like a two minute negative split and my last 5K was my fastest 5K um in the race and i ended up running 231 oh my <laughs> gosh yeah and you won the race no i didn't win that oh race. okay no, i won my second marathon this yeah. one was national champs which um i honestly didn't know i wasn't in the elite wave and i ended up finishing seventh um which was great my dad was like you'll finish in the top 10 and i was like okay i don't know what you're talking about but (laughs) so wow how cool is that like underdog i love this word you know Mm -hmm. first of all you're just sort of like this you know phenom talent that nobody expected or maybe your dad expected because he knows you Mm -hmm. and he's smart and he's seen he he's probably he was probably super smart about how he helped craft your oh marathon career he's my secret weapon he totally 100 he helped you not realize what could be yeah. so that the pressure wouldn't be there and he he actually wanted he he was like i don't want you to do that well in this first one <laughs> he's like you just just like let's get this horse under the belt next one you know we can go for it and we'll go from there but he really was like be conservative we've got a lot of time so oh I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So 231. So you qualify for trials. Mm-hmm. So then you ran a faster marathon after that. Yeah. So 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 then apparently it was fast. And I don't think I really, like, I was like, well, that, like, it, it just, like, wasn't, I, first of all, I was mad at my dad going into the marathon because I was like, I'm not even tired. That training wasn't even hard. Like, I'm not prepared for this. I... I needed to run more. And then when I finished, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'll just listen to whatever you say, you know, (laughs) whatever. I believe you. And, and I was like, well, I can definitely run faster than that because you know, that wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal. And so we went and we started training kind of the same. We kind of tried to take the same approach. Um, and then grandma's, you know, I'd won the Boulder Boulder not too long before grandma's and I was feeling like really good and I knew I could run 540 pace. And so uh, I just set out and I did it and yeah, I ended up winning it, which was kind of cool. <laughs> I did not expect that whatsoever. That was kind of crazy, but. And it was faster. It was faster. Mm-hmm. And that puts you in the top 10 marathon runners in the country now? Um, I think within this year, I'm like, now after houston i'm like 13th or something absolutely amazing yeah first year out of the gates and like it seems like it was sort of just this like surprise you're like surprise surprise again (laughs) right and then you were like i'm not doing the iron man when did that happen when did that decision happen oh right after my first one i was like (laughs) okay great i don't have to do that (laughs) (laughs) moving on (laughs) yeah how cool yeah um, are you a full-time professional runner now? Um, that would be, that'd be awesome, <laughs> but no, I'm actually, tr- I'm right now. I'm like, well, you know, we have like 11 weeks until the trials. And so I'm, it's, it's, I, I think probably like you, you know, 
I have my own, I work for myself and I've always hustled really hard to get clients or business or build my gym or do all these things or, you know, whatever. And, and so it's really against my nature to back off and give myself some time to recover and not be busy 24 hours of the day. So I, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm saying no to clients. I'm backing off until um, until the trials. Are you continuing to do some, you said mentioned swimming, like triathlon type training? I mean, it seems like going into your first marathon, that could have been part of your secret weapon approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I think having the background of being a triathlete and just like having that huge aerobic engine help still helps me. Um, but I don't run doubles. Um, all of my doubles are, I'm probably the only marathoner that doesn't run doubles. I swim three times a week. Um, I don't bike every week, but I throw it in there sometimes. And then I, I do strength two or three times a week and that's it's pretty intense strength and some of it's also aerobic so it's not all just like you know um jacking your heart rate up and bringing it down one strength a week is like an hour and, and my heart rate stays you know around 130 the whole time so um I love that I think it's so important actually and I mm-hmm. think it's going to give you an advantage and I can't wait to see what happens yeah thanks. like I'm just looking at you going ah oh, something awesome is going to happen one way or the other. You're going to come out of this mm-hmm. whole experience evolved. I think so too. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm still learning and I'm, I, I still have my own, my own approach. And, and sometimes some days it's harder to stick with my own approach more. Uh, the more I, you know, look at other, my competitors, Instagrams and they're running 120 miles a week and I'm running 80. Um, and sometimes I read things that's like, if you do a lot of cross training, like you're gonna, like that's like generalizing is bad or, um, but like, I just have to keep telling myself, you know, it's worked in the past. I know I can do this. I know I can tell it's good for me, so. I will tell you that 32 was the prime of my athletic life. Oh, really? And I actually quit triathlon that year. Really? And probably had another three years of prime. Yeah. So I will, I I would bet on you, hey, if this is your learning experience, Mm -hmm. four years from now is when you hit it big. Yeah. And or you might hit it big now. Yeah. So I think like doors are just wide open for you. Thank you. I know it's so cool. (laughs) So what, you know, what drives you? What keeps you going? Um, I think, you know, I try to do this for myself and for the people I love and for, you know, the people that put their, you know, either hard work or their beliefs in me. But, you know, I, I think... I really love, I've always loved working with kids or working with people. And I really hope that I can inspire some young women um, to pursue whatever, you know, and maybe then they don't like, if you look at my body, I'm not, I'm not a runner, you know, people have always, I've heard that so many times. And I just hope that even if they're not, they don't want to pursue running, like they want to pursue something that people have told them they can't do. Um, I hope that I can do that. Well, I think, you know, part of that you're already doing just by leading by example. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's interesting, you know, as each chapter of our life like comes and goes and the next chapter opens and, you know, you kind of, it's hard to see the chapters when you're in them. Yeah. Um, but I think each one brings us new perspective. Yeah. And I recently, I don't know how I stumbled across this YouTube talk by Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> he's amazing. I love him, actually. Yeah, I really do. I do like like he's, he's incredible. He's it's been fun to watch his evolution over the years, totally, too. Totally. Yeah. And he did this talk on like happiness versus joy and, you know, just really like I embracing. Think I watched that one. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, and he, <laughs> yeah. and he said, like, these are the things that I'm committed to in mm-hmm. my life. And I actually wrote yeah. them down. And it was like fatherhood, mm-hmm. being a husband, his health, yep. his career, and his friendships. Yep. And I was like, hey, those are mine. Yeah. I got the same five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but some of them are taking a back seat. And like different chapters in our life right. bring, I think, bring other ones to the forefront. So like you don't have kids. No. Motherhood's not like <laughs> no. a thing for you right. yet. But can you feel like where your priorities are shifting and evolving? Like what is the most important now or what helps you keep that perspective that we just talked about? Um, I think knowing that I can help people the most or make the most change being the best I can be. I used to think being the best I could be was selfish and and now I really do understand and think, you know, the better I am, the more of a platform I can make and the the more I can help, which has helped me so much learn that, like, it's OK not to be working all the time. You know, I can take a step back, focus on being strong and being myself and connecting with people and that's what's going to like be the best for everyone. And it's really cool because being a pro athlete is a very self-centered approach. Mm-hmm. You are the sun in your universe and you always will be no matter what, just by nature of living. Yeah. You know, being a human right, being. Right, you have to be. But um but just the fact that you are also a coach and I can just I can see and feel how helping others needs to always be at the forefront of whatever you do in Mm -hmm. your life in this chapter and next. And so maybe that's the little secret weapon, the other secret weapon other Mm -hmm. than your dad. Yeah, (laughs) right. That will um, set you apart from the rest. So cool. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. All right. Well, we have been running along here for a while and um, I think it's time to maybe wind it down. So... I'm just going to ask you that question I ask every guest that comes on the show. Mm -hmm. And that is if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Um, I guess would be to, to, to be brave and to really try to take your ego out of every step you take. You know what? That is a really important one for me too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because being brave means trying to live without fear or move beyond the fear. Mm-hmm. And that damn ego likes to work its way in everything we do. Yeah. And it'll it'll take a lot away from you if you let that ego take over. So a lot can happen when you let that go. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> it's it's really fun. I encourage everybody listening to follow you on Instagram. And where else? Where else can they find you? Um. Well, my website is nellrojasrunning.com. <laughs> and my Facebook is just Nell Rojas. So yeah, all of those. Check awesome. Out. <laughs> Reach out. Um, and do you coach people virtually or, or just here? Yeah, I do. I do coach people um, through Training Peaks all over the world. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. Okay. All right, guys. So if you like her strategy and her approach, maybe reach out after trials. Or are you taking people I'm anytime? taking people now. Um, yeah. <laughs> She's not, she's not saying no to that. But um, but if you want to get together for coffee and lunch, that might have to wait. After the trials. After exactly, yeah. I'll talk on the phone, but yeah. <laughs> you got to preserve some of you and your essence. All right, well, exactly. thank you so much. Yeah, thank so you so much. much. You are awesome. Thanks. I love your energy. I just, I'm rooting Thanks. for you. Oh, thank you. It's going to be a great year. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> all right, all right. I am back. Um Cool episode, huh? Good conversation. We had a great rapport. She was just fun and easy and, you know, dug in when when I could see that she was passionate about a topic. And I really um, appreciated the fact that Nell let us in a little bit to some of the tough stuff that she grappled with, with eating disorders and her body image and you know, it's the more I talk to women and men, the more I realize that pretty much everybody gets caught up in that negative cycle at some point in their life. Um, I also keep coming back to the fact that she's just really lucky that she has such an incredible support system led by her father. And it makes me appreciate my own family and my own dad and my mom, my family, my husband, like everybody who stands around and, and sort of has my back. And I want you to take a minute too and think about the people in your life who may spend time trying to tell you things, but at the end of the day, it's when you realize that those things are are true or are affecting you in the way that they are suggesting they might, that uh, that you can truly appreciate them. So, you know, take a moment and, uh, hey, shoot somebody a quick text. Just say, I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing that, whatever that is. <laughs> and you know what? I think it's also made me want to interview my dad and my mom whether or not I ever put it on the podcast, I just, I feel like I need to reach out and learn more about them and the journey of their life and the things that they think have, have shaped them the most. That's another cool concept. So you don't have to have a podcast to interview your parents. I mean, it's a really cool concept and could be really uncomfortable at times and just really eye-opening at others. So um, I just really wanna, wanna give you all a big virtual hug today because that interview just kind of felt like a virtual hug to me. It was like I was sitting down with a friend who I'd just met. And I think that's what this podcast does is it helps us feel more connected. Um, if you wanna reach out to Nell and get a little more of that strength that she's been able to 
I don't know, create, nurture, and thrive on, uh, reach out to her. Check out her coaching. Uh, Hers is, hold on a second, her dad's website is rickrojasrunning.com and hers is rojasrunning.com. And then, of course, give her a follow on Instagram, Nell underscore Rojas underscore running, or check her out on Facebook. You can find her in any of those places. And when you're watching the Olympic marathon trials this year, we've definitely had a few guests on. Um, It does not escape me that the episode prior to this was uh, featured Brittany Charbonneau, who's also a really awesome person. Um, You've got many people to cheer for and root for this year. It's no doubt going to be an exciting day. All right, everybody. On that note, uh, don't forget, go over to skirtsports.com. Grab yourself something awesome for super darn cheap. Uh, It is going to be December 12th through 14th that we will be having that big, massive last blowout sale until after the holiday season. So get over there and load up. All right, everybody. I think that's it for now. You go out there. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. I almost forgot that part. (laughs) Um, Have a great workout, and I will see you next week.